Hey, this is Dave Burgess, and you are listening to The Dave Burgess Show, where we talk education, lifestyle, entrepreneurship, fitness, wellness, principles of success, interview elite performers in their field, and most importantly, cover topics that will empower, inspire, and uplift you. Let's go. Welcome to episode 45 of the Dave Burgess Show. Do pirates get seasick? Well, we're less than one minute into the show and I already have a spoiler alert. Yes, yes, they do. At least this one does. In fact, it's one of the most embarrassing things about being a self-professed pirate. You would think it might be the puffy shirts. No, it's not that. You might be just the fact that an adult human being refers to themselves as a pirate. No, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. It's the fact that I call myself a pirate, but yeah, I get wildly seasick. It's pretty embarrassing. Uh, I can remember uh, many times this has happened to me. Uh, one of the most famous times, it's a, it's an incredible story. I can only tell you part of the story now, but basically a kayak trip in Hawaii with the family. And we got into kayaks with a group. It was a group excur- excursion where we're going to have to like go about a mile along the shore to get this little uh, a beach area that could only be, it was only accessible via kayak. And, uh, you know, you couldn't drive to it and it had a place like a cliff jumping place and all these beautiful things that you could do there. And so this was not lake kayaking. This is not smooth water kayaking. This was kind of a little bit of a choppy, choppy ocean water kayaking swells and waves and things like this. And it was a little, got a little bit nasty that day. And at least that's how I remember it anyway. (laughs) So it got a little nasty that day. And I was in a kayak. Um, so my in my kayak was Finn, my youngest, and me. And Finn was pretty young at this point. And uh and, and so Finn wasn't, you know, a, a super good, super strong paddler at this time, right? So now Finn would be perfectly fine out there in a kayak, but at this time there was a lot of weight of this one mile trip on, on me. And really early on into this kayak trip. I started to feel it. It's like when, when that feeling comes, it's hard to it's hard to get over it once once it like uh, passes a certain point. And pretty soon, with all of these kayaks together in a group, I am like leaned over the side of this kayak, and I am it's bad. Like I am chumming the water for sharks, right? And so I am a personal chum. I am like a personal human chum bucket for the sharks. And this went for. A, a good a good majority of the trip to this little beautiful deserted beach area right and so everyone else got out of their kayaks and well, there's a story about getting out of the kayaks too which i won't share now but also hilarious and anyway um they enjoyed this wonderful day at the beach food all you know swimming snorkeling cliff diving all this stuff i just sat on a rock for the entire time and stared at the ground knowing that I was going to have to get back in. The only way back was the same thing. I was going to have to get back into this kayak and kayak my way all the way back the mile the other way. And this was uh, this was not a, a good proposition. And so that's exactly what happened. It is not my favorite day at all. Uh, another example of this, I can remember an absolutely horrendous day at Bush Gardens in Williamsburg, Virginia. See, uh, things like 
seasickness, nausea, car sickness, things, problems on roller coasters. Sometimes this is something that gets worse as you get older. Maybe some of you have experienced this before. Like I'm a person who used to love to go on roller coasters. Now can't really do roller coasters because something has changed, something about the equilibrium in my inner ear and all that kind of stuff. There's something that's called the vestibular system, which is in our inner ear which has has a tendency sometimes to decline the uh, the functioning of it declines as we get older which is why sometimes these things happen as as we age and what this is what what nausea is and seasickness and all that it's like the sensory conflict a discrepancy between what what you're seeing and what your body is experiencing Okay. And so that's kind of what the, what this is all about. Like your, your body, your, your eyes see one thing, but your body is not keeping up or maybe the changes are happening so quickly that your body can't keep up with the changes that are happening. Like for example, on a roller coaster where things are moving back, you know, up and down and sideways and all these kind of things. And there's a lag time that between it where you can you can't gain your equilibrium right and so that's kind of w- w- what is going on and so i can remember at bush gardens williamsburg virginia and the whole family was there and oh man we were having a great time until uh i, I started to get a little bit bothered by a couple of the bigger roller coasters and then we got this on this one it wasn't even the biggest one the one that took me down was called verbolden verbolden was the last straw and uh here, here's what here's what they say on the website for verbolden it says a thrill so good it ought to be forbidden and let me tell you i agree it should be forbidden that's for sure it's got this thing where it kind of like accelerates you and shoots you forward uh to get you started and uh if you go further reading about the ride online it says a fun, mystifying family adventure through the Black Forest. My ass, it's a fun family adventure. Like, I, I want to take this copywriter and throttle them, right? This was not a fun. Oh, man, I got off this ride straight to the bathroom where I for I was in the bathroom at Bush Gardens for the next over two hours. I was there, like, worshiping the par- the porcelain god right and this was no coolio gangster's paradise moment uh, this was not me on my knees in the night saying prayers in the street light no i was on my knees in the stall saying prayers in the bathroom right this was bad stuff and finally i made my way out and then basically all i could do was just sit still made my way to the car where they drove drove me home and like this was a horrific day at the theme park right and so yes pirates do get seasick i'm a perfect example of it as embarrassing as that might sound but i started to think about what what this could possibly what kind of lessons we could we could draw from this and so the first one uh and looking up ways to deal with uh seasickness car sickness nausea and stuff like that one one of the key things is trigger avoidance and so certainly for what i like hey listen even when my my family, they, they might like go out on a scuba diving trip or something like that. Hey, I don't go. I know I'm not going to do well on that boat. I know it's going to ruin my whole day. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to have fun on the boat. And it's going to ruin my whole day after the boat. I don't go, right? So I can go on shorter things. I, I've had some success on bigger like cruise ships and things like that. Uh, but if it's going to be, you know, like all day out on the water, 
Um, and they're going to like anchor and the boat's just going to sit in there rock, rocking while people are scuba diving and snorkeling. Like, it's not going to be a good experience for me. And so trigger avoidance. I don't go on boats. And uh, I, I don't put myself into situations where I think like, like roller coasters. I, I still don't go on roller coasters anymore. I might go to a theme park, but I'm going to watch as they as someone else goes on the roller coaster probably. Um, and I'm going to ro- choose some other rides. So and this is true in life, too. You have to think about what are the things that make you uneasy? What makes you queasy in life? Like what makes you uneasy? uh, It gives you discomfort. And how can we avoid it? How can we not put ourselves in these situations that make us uncomfortable? What people make us uncomfortable when we're around them? Is there ways that we can avoid them or to at least limit the amount of time that we have uh, exposure to them, right? What are the circumstances that make me uncomfortable? And how can I avoid those circumstances whenever possible? So practice Trigger avoidance, not just in a, 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 a seasick way, but in a in a life way. Think about your life and think about what things trigger you to have negative responses. And is there a way that you can structure your life and your time so you have fewer of the fewer of those things popping up? Um, when I, I did a podcast with uh, Dan Chikarico, uh author of the Zen Teacher Sanctuaries, um, right here and now, and um, go back and find that podcast episode. It's a good one. And he talked about the opposite of triggers to avoid. He called them pamper triggers. What things can we do that uh, make us feel great? And can we put more of those triggers in our life? So can we replace some of these triggers that make us uneasy and give it makes give us anxiety and make us uncomfortable and replace them with some pamper triggers and things that we can make sure that we would like to see. Hey, when this shows up in my life and I spend my time doing this, or when I'm with this item or in this place or with this person, I feel better. Maybe there's ways we can incorporate more of that into our life. All right. So another way they talk about dealing with seasickness is to fix your eyes on the horizon. Okay. So you want to fix your eyes on the horizon. And this is an important thing. And so, because if you are focused on the ups and downs, the swells, the waves, and trying to track things that are moving all around you, uh, it's very disorienting. And it's been, and it helped, it, it, it um, puts you in a situation where you're more likely to lose your equilibrium, right? So if you can choose something fixed out on the horizon to focus on, it kind of centers you a little bit and helps you to, to do this. And so, that's something that I think about a lot is like the ups and downs of life can seem very uneasy and it can create a lot of anxiety. But if we have something that we can look forward to, something that we can set our eyes on, some sort of goal out in front of us that we can fix that we can fix our gaze on, then that is something that is going to make it more bearable. Like when someone says to me, like, hey, I'm in college right now. This, I'm struggling. My, I'm not enjoying my classes. I don't like my professors. Uh, I don't understand. Like I have to do this. I'm doing this busy work and all these things. I don't see how it relates to my life. And they're getting ready to maybe drop out of school. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait, wait, hold on. Let's, let's talk about why you're in school. Like, what's that goal? What is that end? What is that end uh, destination that you're trying to get to? Right. And if you can get them to focus on that, then these momentary day up, day by day ups and downs can kind of be smoothed over. And you realize, yes, there's something bigger at the end that I'm trying to get to, that these things are going to be, uh, these are temporary, right? These are not permanent things in my life. These are temporary ups and downs that I'm experiencing, but there's something bigger for me in the future that I'm willing to sacrifice these, there's a little bit of this, um, 
discomfort for now. You know, and the same thing is true if you think about uh, a fitness thing. Someone has some fitness goal on their calendar. Maybe it's a race that they're going to try to run, a half marathon, a marathon, a 10K, 5K, whatever it might be. And they're thinking like the day-to-day training is hard. It's tough. But sometimes just having that 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 something on the calendar ahead, like, hey, my half marathon is on this date. So yeah, I don't really want to go out and run today, but I'm kind of fixing my gaze on the horizon and understanding that there's something bigger out there that this is going to help me achieve that I'm excited about. And although I might not be excited about going out and running today, I am excited about being ready to run that half marathon uh, with my team, my, my crew, my friends on that particular date and accomplishing that goal. So taking that short-term focus away and put it out on the horizon. And part of the, the, uh, the, the problem with this is you have to have this balance between focusing on the goal, the horizon, and focusing on the things that are going on day to day. For example, uh, I'll, I'll give you this chess example. So in chess, there's kind of a couple problems that people sometimes have. One, when someone is just starting to play chess, all they see is like what's right in front of them, the moves right in front of them. And they don't do any sort of long range planning. They don't do any sort of like sense of like, oh, oh, here's what's going to happen down the line if if I go down this path. They're not looking ahead at all, right? And so they don't have their eyes on that horizon of what this is going to look like 10 moves from now, 15 moves from now, 20 moves from now, right? But then sometimes as you get more skilled at chess, you spend so much time in kind of this big picture, like, oh, I don't want to change the pawn structure in this way because then the end game is not going to be favorable for me. And you get so busy with these long-term range. If I could just maneuver my knight to this outpost on D5, it's going to take me three moves to get it there. But if I can swing it around here and over to here and into here, like it's going to be perfect on this outpost. And you make these kind of long-range planning ideas. Or, you know, maybe I'm going to exchange off his light-squared bishop, which is going to make the light squares around his king weak, which I'm going to be able to take advantage of and try to checkmate it, right? And so you have these long-range ideas. But then while you're doing that, you miss something that's right in front of you that's like a one or two move tactic that costs you uh, a whole piece, right? You lose your rook because you were busy about talking about his light square weaknesses when you didn't realize that you were about to lose your rook, okay? And so how can you go about keeping your eye on that horizon, but yet also being able to execute on a day-to-day task-by-task level? Uh, Investing is like this as well, where um, uh, if you get so focused on the ups and downs of the market, and you are like trying to move your money around to take advantage of everything that's going on in the market, you know, daily, weekly, monthly, you know, even yearly. That could be that could be a very stressful. It can create you that can make you nauseous, right? If you have your money at risk and you're trying to move it around and take advantage of the market or try to avoid things in the market, where there's so much you could be so much more at ease if you say no. Like, listen, I'm gonna have a I'm gonna put my eyes on the horizon. Like, I'm not gonna I, I won't need to access this money for this many years or for this long a period of time. So I'm going to put it someplace. I'm not going to watch that day-to-day fluctuation of what it's doing because I know in the long term, this is going to be the best and most successful place for my money, right? And so, but a lot of people get so stressed when they get bogged down in those day-to-day, you know, they have the on their phone, maybe what the... uh 
what the stock market is doing and, and it's and it's it's driving them crazy. You know, put something in solid, strong, uh, reasonably conservative investments, and you're going to have uh, may, maybe you don't have as much. Uh, you don't get a higher percentage at the end, although often that strategy gets you a higher percentage. By the way, but may, maybe it's not. You maybe you're not maximizing it, but the amount of anxiety that you'll save yourself by focusing your putting your eyes out on that further horizon uh, is is going to be something that eases your mind a little bit. Okay. Um, and so that's another way. So find something on the horizon to focus on when you're struggling day to day. And that's not just true of nausea and car sickness and things like this, but it's true in life. Um, so another one, take control. When you can take control of things in your life, then that is something that gives you a sense of equilibrium. And the example of this, which most of you will be familiar with, is um, the driver rarely gets car sick, okay? Like even if you're on a mountain drive, windy roads, whatever it might be, rarely is it the driver that gets car sick. It's almost always the passenger. The passenger gets car sick. And the passenger gets car sick because they don't have that sense of control of what's happening. It's happening to them, right? They're in the car and the and the uh, they can't they don't have that sense of control of the maneuvers of the car and the winding of the road and all that kind of stuff. And so if you think about this, drivers rarely get car sick. And so where in your life can you exert more control? Where can you take things that maybe you feel out of control and put yourself in control? Where have you allowed other other people, other circumstances, things to take control of parts of your life that you would be much better to take control of. And so uh, that's another lesson from nausea and car sickness and, and, and seasickness. And then another, and then now this is probably going to be the last one. Try to get an unobstructed view. And so this is one of the uh, pieces of advice that they give people, like for example, in a car, try to get an unobstructed view. Like you're better off in the front seat passenger than you are in the back seat passenger seat, right? You're better off not being below the deck on the boat where you can't see anything. It's just rocking up and down. You're better off getting out onto the deck, onto the fresh air, where maybe then you have an unobstructed view of what's happening and you can't see that horizon, right? And so try to get an unobstructed view as much as possible. And I think about this in life too. Where are there things that you have some anxiety and stress around just because you're not sure what's going on there? Um, I feel this in my email inbox. So I'm on a 14-day plan right now to get to inbox zero. And you might say, 14-day plan, that's ridiculous. Why, two weeks to get to inbox zero? Well, that's only because you haven't seen my inbox, okay? That's only because you haven't seen my inbox. It's out of control. And so I know it's out of control, and I have anxiety about it, not because I know there's so much there, but because I don't even know what's there in some cases. Like, I'm nervous and anxious about what am I missing? What Who is... Who has emailed me that is embarrassing and disrespectful and poor, just poor business that I haven't responded to, right? And so I need to get to inbox zero. I need to process this email, email inbox, not just because it's good business and because it's um, uh, respectful, but also because I want to get rid of this anxiety of not being sure what's on um, some of these emails that maybe I even haven't even seen yet, certainly haven't processed yet. And um, this is true of things like a to-do list as well. 
So one of the great gurus of productivity, his name is David Allen. He wrote a book called Getting Things Done. Getting Things Done is one of, you know, for a lot of people in the productivity space, it's sort of like one of the, the Bibles of productivity, okay? So the getting things done methodology is super influential in that space. And one of the key things that he talks about, so I don't, I, I don't, uh, obviously I don't practice it right now, that's for sure, but uh, I don't necessarily agree with everything that's in the system and a lot of people don't. But one of the things that was really transformational for me that I think is just rings so true is the first thing that he has you do is he has you get out some sort of capture device, whether it's paper, whether it's uh, digital, whatever it might be, some sort of kind of like capture system and you write down every single thing that you have to do, not just the big things, not just things that you think that you might forget. No, every single thing in your life, personal, professional, social, everything goes down and into the capture system. Now, there's several things about this. First of all, your mind is not a filing cabinet. Right. It's not that's not what it's designed for. It's not designed to store information like that. And so when you free it up of this task, you're making it more available for creative output and productivity. Right. And so uh, that your, your brain is not a very good storage device. So get it all out onto a, into a capture system, like a, a legal notepad, whatever it might be. Right. OK, so that's one part of it. But maybe an equally significant part of it is part of the anxiety of having stuff in your mind is that you're not really sure if you're remembering everything. You always have this kind of like anxiety in the background, this kind of low level anxiety of like, well, oh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I'm forgetting something. Right. I, I think, like, I think I have everything down that I need to do this week, but like, I, just, I feel like there's just like something I'm forgetting. So you always have this kind of low level anxiety that maybe you're messing up. Okay. I, I think most of you probably can identify with this, where when you don't, when you're not relentless about writing things down and creating these like very extensive and comprehensive to-do lists and project lists, things slip through the cracks. Now, come on, just admit it. Things slip through the cracks if you don't do that. Right. And so when you can get it down all in front of you. So the first, your first thought is, well, it's going to be super overwhelming to see that. Like it's going to be pages and pages long. Yeah, it, it may be overwhelming to see that, but actually what it does is allows you to release that anxiety of not knowing and allows you to create a plan to be able to tackle all the things that you have to do. And so there is a certain, like, even if it's really bad, there's still some some uh, some comfort in at least knowing what's all there. It's kind of like when you have an injury or an illness, and they have not yet diagnosed what it is. And you keep going to, from like person to person, specialist to specialist, and you just know you're still in pain, and they haven't figured out what it is yet. And they're like, yeah, yeah, you know, it could be this, could be that. And it's like very infuriating, right? And then when finally it gets properly diagnosed, the diagnosis might not be a great one, but just knowing what it is that you're dealing with, and then be able to create a plan to manage it is just so freeing, right? And so that's kind of what this is with this system. Same thing is true with say something like uh, debt. A lot of people um, maybe who are in debt, if you were to say like, hey, what, what is, what's your number? Like what, what, how much debt do you have? They, they wouldn't be able to tell you because 
partly um, they don't want to know. Like they have, they feel like if they were to see that number, it would be depressing, overwhelming, and create a lot of anxiety. But really, they know that they don't know that number, right? They know that they don't know that number. And so it creates a lot of anxiety that's constant in the background. If you know that number, you're going to feel that anxiety in that moment. But now you're going to be able to like, okay, how can I tackle this? What can I set aside? How can I bring this down? What kind of payment plans are available? What do I have to do to my life? What can I like, you get to be able to create a plan to be able to manage it. And so just knowing sometimes. So where in your life do you have some anxiety because you've allowed things to be obstructed? where you don't know what's going on and how can you create an unobstructed view? That is another lesson from this seasickness, nausea, car sickness, all of this kind of stuff like this. And so these are some things that I would love for you to think about. By the way, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson said, the health of the eye demands a horizon. I, I love, I do love that quote. Um, so, so here you go. So what can we avoid? What triggers can we avoid? Uh, that make us uneasy, give us anxiety? How can we structure our lives so we have fewer of those? Um, how can we fix our eyes on something out further ahead? The goal, the uh, destination that we're trying to that we're trying to achieve. And that helps us get over those ups and downs and swells and waves and rough water of our daily lives sometimes. How can we take control? Where are we out of control in our life? And how can we take more control? Understanding this principle that drivers don't get car sick usually. And then how what, what's what's hidden from us right now? What are we avoiding? And how can we create a more unobstructed view of that? And oh, by the way, as I was reading through advice on uh, dealing with seasickness, you know, they talk about different things like um, acupressure bands, like uh, putting acupressure on different points and eating non-greasy foods, all these kind of things like this. But they also said, by the way, that ginger helps. So I hired Wendy Van Dyke and Tara Martin. Let's go team. Thank you so much for listening to The Dave Burgess Show. Let's connect. I am at Burgess Dave on Twitter. My name just flipped around to Burgess Dave. On Instagram, I am DBC underscore INC, and I blog at DaveBurgess.com. Please share your thoughts and comments on social media using the hashtag DaveBurgessShow. It would mean the world to me if you share the show with friends and colleagues, and I would be honored if you left a positive review on whatever platform you listen on. Hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you have a question, a topic, or a guest recommendation for the show, just email me at dave at daveburgess.com, put podcast question in the subject line, and I absolutely cannot wait to join you on the next episode.